podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Well, go ahead and we're going to turn to the book of Malachi here this morning. Malachi chapter number two. And we're going to be reading uh, here from uh, verses uh, 10 all the way through verse number 16 here this morning. Let's read our text here together. Malachi writes, he says, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we, market faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? <clears throat> he says, Judah has been faithless, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hands. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. We've been studying the message of Malachi here, and we find that a lot of the problems that the church finds itself in today are really the same problems that Malachi was dealing with as well some, you know, 24, 2,500 years ago. Um, if you can remember, Malachi spoke to a people that had grown cold and distant to God's love. If you remember back in chapter 1, we had this awesome declaration from God, and he says, I have loved you. And what was the people's response? How have you loved us? Right? They, they, had, they had forgotten about God's love. They had forgotten about his, his faithfulness. They had forgotten that, that God cared for them. 
And we find here that they're saying, hey, how have you loved us? And God loves his people, but do God's people love him? No. And I think that's evidenced here throughout this, this book that you see this lack of love that the people have towards God. How do we know that they did not love God? Or how do we know that they didn't show love towards God? Well, they had weak worship. They brought in weak and lame and sickly offerings to the Lord. And those offerings were offered by weak, lame, spiritual leaders. And what we just read here is, is further evidence of their lack of love that they were supposed to be having towards God. This lovelessness that they had towards God was evidenced through their faithlessness in their relationships. And you see that as it's repeated over and over and over. Faithless, faithless, faithless. In these few verses here, we find a people faithless in their covenant community. We find them being faithless uh, to God and really faithless to their spouses. The truths that we're going to look at today might be very hard to listen to and accept. But remember, we can find great hope in straightforward truth. Because it's when we are confronted with truth, the reality of truth, what God says, and God speaks very plainly here. When we are confronted with that truth and we take action upon it and we heed it and we listen to it and we obey it, there's great hope. And there's great hope for us to make restoration in our lives if we are to be found, if we're finding ourselves to be faithless and loveless towards God. And so my prayer is that you will have ears to hear today in what God is speaking to you, what God is saying. So this is what I want you to take away with you this morning. Faithful relationships is what the Lord requires. Faithful relationships is what the Lord requires. So take note here, a few things here. Number one, guard yourself from faithless relationships to one another. Here in verse 10, at the very beginning, Malachi poses three questions to the people. Okay? Malachi's speaking, and he's, he's trying to get them to understand something about their faithless relationships and what they've been doing. Now, notice these questions here, right? Have we not all one father? Right? He's saying, don't you remember? You guys are all part of the same father, right? God is our father. He says, don't you remember this? He says that has not one God created us? We are all part of one creator. God is the one who's created us. And then he says, why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? And so because God is our father and God is our creator, there has been this covenant that we have entered into with one another. And he says, why are we profaning it by being faithless? Towards one another. 
And so it's through these opening questions that God spoke through Malachi that God here really deals with some of the reasons why God was so upset with their faithlessness. This is why Malachi starts with these three questions, calling them back to remembrance of what is true. Having one father, they were all part of the same family. They were brothers and sisters. And what were they doing? They were being faithless towards one another. The people had also one creator. They were dependent on God. God created them for a purpose and a calling. God had made them a great and mighty nation. He had called them to live in community together, not just as individuals. And they were being faithless in their relationships towards one another. They were also part of the covenant. This was God's covenant and promise to his people. They were a called out people in in covenantial relationship with God. And how were they treating it? They were being faithless towards one another. Their faithlessness profaned this covenant by destroying unity in favor of selfishness. How are they living selfishly? Well, a key phrase that we find over and over in verses 10 through 16 is being faithless, or as uh, some other translation, maybe your translation reads this way, as dealing treacherously with one another. In other words, they, they, they would not keep their promises with one another. They would not work with one another. They were part of the same family that God had created. They're all part of the same covenant, but yet they, we find them dealing treacherously with one another. They were faithless in their relationships. And that meaning of that phrase, deal treacherously or faithlessness, has the idea of describing someone who doesn't honor in agreement. It implies that this person deceives to get out of a binding agreement. In other words, They aren't faithful to the promises that they were making with one another. God uses this phrase of being faithless or dealing treacherously to describe how the people approached their relationships with one another. They would look for any and every opportunity to not keep up their end of the deal. And they were dealing treacherously with one another. Matthew Henry's commentary on this verse says this, We find here men dealing falsely with one another, and it is because they think falsely of their God. It cannot be expected that he who is false to his God should be true to his friends. And I think this is real important for us to understand because the reason why many times we are faithless and loveless in our relationships towards one another is because we are faithless and loveless to God. And it's important for us to understand that. Today, if you know Christ, you're part of the body of Christ, the church. We all have the same Father We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are all created in the image of God. And through the blood of Jesus, we are now part of the new covenant. Often the church today finds herself in the same place as the people of God did in Malachi's day. All of us who know Christ as our Savior, we've been called into one body. 
He has called us to unity, and instead, what do we do? We fight, we divide, we disconnect, and we ignore one another. We are faithless in our relationships towards one another. And really, that's a a huge revealing fact that we are faithless and loveless to our God. Malachi says we are faithless, and by being this way, we what? We profane the covenant. In other words, for the church today, we disrespect the body of Christ. We disrespect Christ's most sacred possession, which he purchased with his own blood. We disrespect it. We profane it. How do we do that? By being faithless in our relationships with one another. I don't think we realize the great harm that we cause to the church because of our selfishness and our lack of love towards one another. One of the hardest things about living in community with one another is learning how to get along with each other. It's hard, right? Because we all have different things that we want to do. We have different ways that we want to approach life. And if somebody gets in our way, watch out, right? And instead of trying to have unity with one another, what do we do? We profane the the, the covenant of the Lord by being faithless towards one another and we live with selfish reasons. The way to handle hard relationships in the body of Christ is to not avoid them or go to another fellowship. The way we handle difficult relationships in the church is to love them. Isn't that the way God does it? We are difficult and unloving people, and yet God shows his great love towards us through his son Christ. He doesn't avoid us. He pursues after us, as what scripture teaches. Do you want to know why the church is powerless and sickly and weak today? It's because we are not faithful to him and we are not faithful to one another as members of the body of Christ. We're faithless. We don't love the Lord as we should. Why are we faithless? It's because we do not love God. Our relationship with God determines our relationship with everything else. And so if our relationship with God is, is, is off, our relationship with every other relationship in life will be off. And so it's so important that we keep the relationship with God primary. And that we're faithful to God. We love God. And in doing so, our relationships will be right in every other area. So if we desire to guard ourselves from faithless relationships with one another, we need to make sure that we are loving God. How do we do that? I think looking back over those three questions is, is paramount, is important, right? Because he calls us back to remember that you are part of the family, right? You're, you're part of, God is your father, Nobody in here has special privileges, right? We're all part. If we know Christ, God is our Father. We're all part of the same family. Also, we have all been created by God. We need to love God as our Creator. And we love God as our Father and our Creator by obeying what He says. And when we do that, we show our obedience to Him. We show our love to Him through our obedience, 
And we need to remember that we have been brought into a covenant relationship with God through Jesus, and we are part of the body of Christ together. And so let's not be guilty of profaning the covenant. Let's not be guilty of being faithless in our relationships towards one another. I think this is why it's so important that we, as the body of Christ, just even in this fellowship, that we get to know one another, spend time with each other, get to know each other's stories, pray for one another, right? Because this will, this will build the community, this will build our relationships with one another, and it's very important that we do that. So love the church, love the body of Christ. Here's the second thing. Guard yourself from being faithless to God. Now Malachi here is going to shift his focus. He's shifting from talking about their relationships in general, but now he's going to start to hone in a little bit uh, closer here. And what is he talking about? He's talking about their faithlessness of God's people. And he says that they have committed an abomination you see it there? He says, Judah has been faithless and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. What is this abomination that has happened? The way Malachi words it here is that God's people, namely Judah here, has married the daughter of a foreign God. Now this was a big deal to God. Huge. Huge. Because when these men of Israel married foreign women, this caused all kinds of problems in the nation. This was not about ethnicity. This was about theology. This was a theological issue. Men were taking wives for themselves who didn't love God, serve God, follow God, fear God, or honor God. What was going on in Malachi's day would be the same today as a Christian marrying a non-Christian, which God clearly says, don't do it, right? 1 Corinthians 2.6 uh, is the command for us to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The point is today for those of you who are not married and are a believer in Jesus, right? Adrian, Andrea, Right? Others here that you're not married, right? you're a believer in Jesus. The point is that you need to make sure that you do not give your heart to anybody who does not love God. It is so important. You say, but I love him. Oh, he does it. Oh, she does it. Time out. Do they love God? Do they follow God? This will save you a world, a world of hurt if you follow Scripture and obey Scripture. Whom you choose to marry is a big deal, and God takes it very serious, and you should too. If the choice of having a marriage partner still lies before you, settle it in your mind right now. Right now, settle it. Let it be settled that you will never marry anyone that does not love the Lord Jesus with all their hearts. It's so important. Now, what about if you did marry an unbeliever or you know someone who married an unbeliever? Well, I believe there is great hope, and it's possible that your spouse may be converted. 
First Peter 3 talks about living in such a way that uh, the person would come to know Christ. And it's possible. Things like that have happened. If you're married or know someone who is married to an unbeliever, you shouldn't seek to leave the person and get out of the marriage. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 13 really sums that up for us as well. Saying if you have a wife, don't be seeking to be free from her. If you have a husband, don't be seeking to be free from him. Right? Remain as you are. Don't be trying to divorce this person, divorce that person. No, remain as you are. And God says... Judah has committed this abomination of marrying foreign women. So I think this passage is pretty clear about Israel being faithless to God by marrying unbelievers, and definitely we can see a strong warning to the church today as well. Okay, Now let's take this from, not just from marriage in general, right? But let's, let's take this in, in another aspect here for the church. It is so important, church, that we remain faithful to God. So what do you mean by that? Meaning that as believers in Christ, we do not go running after the world. That we don't go marrying and running and desiring the world. That's what these people were doing in Malachi's day. Here they are, they came back from, uh, from exile they're rebuilding the wall. They're rebuilding the temple. Ezra and Nehemiah talk all about this. And as they're built, oh, wow, look at that girl over there. Wow, woo, right? Ooh, she, she batted her eyes at me, woo, right? And they start going running after these foreign women. It's so important, church, that we do not follow the world, go running after the world. First John 2, 15 through 17 teaches us and warns us to not be in love with this world. Don't be in love with the world and what it offers, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the possessions, the world that is passing away. Don't run after it. Don't go profaning the covenants in all of this. Here's the point. Whatever you give room to in your heart and your life, that is what will have your heart and your life. Jesus said it very plainly. He said, wherever your treasure is, there your what will be? Your heart also. And so we as believers in Christ, we need to remain faithful to God and not go running after other things in the world. And so don't be in love with this world. We need to guard ourselves from becoming entangled in the world. And it happens so easily, doesn't it? We start drifting from love and devotion to God a little bit here, a little bit there. And before we know it, we're so entangled in the world and love for the world. And that's why we see this, guard yourselves, guard yourselves. You need to make sure that you're not being faithless in your devotion and love to God. Guard yourselves. And this is what happened in Malachi's day when men married women that didn't love God. Eventually their love for God just grew cold. And this is what happens in the church far too often as well. 
And so we need to guard ourselves from this. Now notice verse 12 here. This is such a sad, sad picture. Look what he says. He says, May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Now this is a prayer of Malachi. Hey, he's praying this. He's, he's petitioning. And he's praying that the men who commit the abomination of rejecting God so that they can fornicate with the world would be cut off. He says, if you're doing this, if you're living this way, I'm going to pray that God will cut you off from the nation. This is a sad picture here. Because notice what these people are doing as they are rejecting God and fornicating with the world. What are they doing? They're bringing offerings to the Lord of hosts. What hypocrisy. What hypocrisy. And we as believers in Christ, we do it all the time. We entangle ourselves with the world and then we come to worship together and we, we act as if God is so pleased with our worship. And God says, you have been faithless to me. You do not love me. And it's such a sad, sad picture. And I believe so much in the church today, that's what we see. We see this entanglement with the world, love with the world. Where is the faithfulness towards God? Where is the love that we should be having towards God? It's not there. Because they have grown cold to God. And they think by coming and offering all these praises and all these sacrifices that God is somehow going to be pleased and happy with their worship. And God is like, nope, 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 nope. Doesn't work that way. I don't think we see the gravity of this. What you have in this verse is someone who says they love God, doing certain religious activities that appear to honor God, all the while having their hearts married to those who hate God. This world is not a friend to God at all. It's at enmity towards God. And so why would we love it? Why would we run after it? Why would we devote ourselves to it? It hates God. We must be settled on who has our love and devotion. This verse looks more at who you love than what you do. Where your heart is, not what your offering is. We can do many religious things and do them with a heart that is so far from God. I was playing uh, some badminton with uh, my daughter Evelyn the other day. And as we were playing, I asked her a question. I said, Evelyn, what does it mean to be a Christian? And she said, well, somebody who loves God, somebody who wants to follow God. And I said, do I love God? She said, of course you do. I said, how do you know that? She says, because you preach. <laughs> no, no, sorry. It's not true. Just because we get up and we do religious activities does not mean that we love God one iota. That's what Malachi's, the people in Malachi's day were doing. They had all this religious form about themselves, but yet they did 
not love God. And it showed in their faithless relationship towards God. And so guard yourself from being faithless to God. Keep your love devoted to God and God alone. Here's the third thing. Guard yourself from faithless marriages. Now Malachi continues his message here. Okay? Faithless to each other, faithless towards God, and now he's going to bring it home here. Literally, bring it home. And he's going to talk about having faithless marriages. And he's addressing the men who have left their wives, broken their covenants, and ultimately offended God. Notice verse 13 here. He says, And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Grown men weeping and groaning. Why? Why are they weeping and groaning? Remember verse 12? Here they are. They're bringing their, their offerings to the Lord. Right? And they're weeping and groaning. And the reason why they are weeping and groaning, because look what it says. Because he no longer, he who? God. God no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hands. Now when you see this verse, it looks like tears are a good thing. Surely anyone who cries, they must be spiritual, right? No. Here they are weeping, crying, oh God, oh God. Are they sorry for their sin? No. They're sorry because God will not accept their offerings. They don't care about their sin because guess where? There's their wives whom they've forsaken. They don't care one bit about it. Is this a sign of repentance and confession? No. When we look at this passage more carefully, we see these men are weeping for the wrong reasons, even while being religious. So what's going on here? These men are bringing in offerings to God while divorcing and forsaking their wives. These Israelite men had taken foreign wives. Ezra and Nehemiah talk about this in Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, and Ezra chapter 10, verse 14, and also in Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 23 through 31. And now, after they have taken these wives, they're divorcing them. They don't want anything to do with them. And so they are doing this and then trying to clear up the situation by bringing in offerings to the Lord, almost in a, in a way to, to say, God, okay, I, I know I did this, but here's an offering. You know, it's okay now, right? It's okay. And God's like, uh-uh, no. I'm not pleased with this one bit. I'm not going to accept this. Their crying was not confession. They are showing sorrow for the situation and not for their sin. They want God's favor, his faithfulness, but don't care about their own faithlessness. This is regret, not repentance. This many times is the same sort of repentance we practice. Tears shed for the situation and not because we are broken over our sin. 
We grieve over the results of sin, but not the offense of sin. In other words, we don't hate sin. We hate that we can't get away with it. Look at verse 14 here. He says, but you say, why does he not? And God tells them plainly, look what he says, the reason why their offerings are not accepted. It was because of their faithless marriages. He reminds them of the covenant that he made towards each other. Look what he says. He says, but you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you, uh, whom you have been faithless through she is your companion, your wife by covenant. When God unites man and woman together, they enter into a covenant relationship. And God is a witness at that relationship, at that covenant. And God will hold us accountable to that covenant. You know, when we're up there and we're having the ceremony and we're saying those things, you know, I take thee so-and-so to be my, you know, so-and-so, you know, all those things, right? You are entering into a covenant with God. And God takes it very seriously. And he says, you have been faithless and you have divorced your wife. He says, I was a witness to that. And you're not being found faithful in the marriage covenant. And so when God unites a man and a woman in marriage, he does so in a covenant. And this binding, this one flesh union is never meant to be broken. It's to remain forever and ever and ever, right? As long till death do us part. And so to be unfaithful, and to be faithless in marriage is ultimately an offense against God and to your spouse. For us who are married in here, we must guard ourselves from faithless marriages. Guys, it's really important for us as husbands that we guard ourselves, that we don't entertain those thoughts, right? That we guard ourselves. We say, no, I'm sticking with this till death do us part. It may get hard. It may be difficult, but I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to guard myself against faithless marriages. God will hold us accountable. Now, notice what God is seeking here. I love this. He talks about this, this covenant, and he says, verse 15, Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? What was he seeking? Godly offspring. Godly offspring. I don't think we realize how much of an impact our faithlessness has on future generations in our families. God is seeking godly offspring, not faithless fathers making faithless followers. He desires godly offspring. Remaining faithful to your spouse is a huge benefit to your children. Huge benefit. But what about children from broken families or children from mixed marriages between believers and non-believers? Are those kids somehow, somehow uh, ungodly or, or, or not legitimate or, or impure? No, Paul actually answers that question. In 1 Corinthians 7, 13 through 15, he has this to say about it. He says, if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. 
For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such case, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. And so God's word is very clear about this, that God can still work in situations where there has been brokenness, and it does happen. But for us who are married, stay faithfully married to your spouse. Don't divorce. Don't do it. Is there anything, husbands, that we are not being faithful to in our marriage? God will hold us accountable. Don't be faithless to the wife of your youth. Guard yourselves. Now take a look at verse 16 here. God speaks very plainly here. God is speaking. What does God say? For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence. In other translations, it says, God says, for I hate divorce. God always says that those who do not love their wives and divorce them, he says that they cover their garments with violence. What does that mean? Divorce brings destruction and pain. It always does. Nothing ever good comes out of divorce. Divorce doesn't just affect the husband and wife, but children, grandchildren, parents, friends, and communities. To separate and sever a marriage union is to rip and tear two lives apart that have been uh, brought together as one, and you're just ripping it apart. God says, I don't like this, because God has brought them together as one. Now, I know there are some here that have experienced the tragic result of divorce. Perhaps that you're doing or previous spouse or could have been a combining of both of you. I'm not sure. I don't know. Perhaps there are some here that have been divorced for the wrong reasons and now you're remarried. Mike, what advice would you offer to me? Well, there's all kinds of situations why people get divorced. There's only two reasons why people should be divorced that God makes allowance for. And that is, for one, if there has been sexual fornication in the sense of adultery or some other type of sexual perversion in the marriage. Or secondly, the, the fact that the spouse has abandoned the other spouse, as what 1 Corinthians teaches. And that abandonment can come in all kinds of ways, right? Could be through violence. Could be through severe uh, Things that are going on in the home and the person cannot live with that person, right? So we, we see those types of situations. So what do you do? I think the scripture is pretty clear. I'd say for those who have divorced and are not remarried and your previous spouse is not remarried, try to reconcile the situation. Try to reconcile it. Sometimes that's not possible and I understand that. Sometimes it is. If not, Scripture says then, you need to remain as you are. Why? Because entering into other relationships, it just brings so much more stuff into it. Now, there are some here that have divorced for the wrong reasons, and now you have remarried. Mike, what should we do? Remain as 
you are. And hopefully you have repented, meaning in the sense that you have changed your mind in the understanding of that covenant relationship that you've entered into. And that marriage is lifelong. And we're not going to throw in the towel when there's hardships or difficulties, right? We're going to remain as we are. We're married and we're going to remain as we are. Let's wrap this up here. Malachi ends this message with a command to guard our spirits and not to be faithless. Faithlessness is destructive. It does damage to each other with God, with our spouses, with our children, and far more than we could ever imagine. If we are honest, all of us, all of us are guilty in some way of being faithless in our relationships, whether it be with each other, whether it be with God, or whether it be with even our spouses. What hope do we have? Jesus. Jesus is always faithful. In my unfaithfulness, Jesus is always faithful. Jesus is the one who is always faithful. When we look at others or look at ourselves, we will always find faithlessness. But Jesus is always faithful. Jesus is always the faithful husband to his bride, the church. We as the church are so unloving, so unfaithful, but Jesus, knowing of our unfaithfulness, went to the cross and brought us with his own blood, and we have been covered in his righteousness. So how can I guard myself and be faithful? The truth is, I can't and you can't. We must look to Jesus who is faithful and capable. As I learn and remember what Jesus has done for me in my unfaithfulness, I learn how to be faithful. When I see the forgiveness he grants to me at the cost of his life, I can forgive lesser offenses, whether that be of my spouse, my child, my family, or even friends or my church family as well. When I remember his commitment to his bride, I stay committed to mine. As I see how Jesus loves the church and gave up his life for her, I follow in love for my wife as well, and you should as well. And so we must look towards Jesus, who is always faithful. And so I pray that as believers in Christ, that we would guard ourselves from faithless relationships. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.